Welcome to BioThrive. What does it mean to thrive? I believe that in order to thrive, we need to optimize our biology, our chemistry, and the electrical frequency that courses through every cell and organ of our body. Thriving also means more than just a healthy body. It means abundant energy, deep connections, and happiness. BioThrive podcast is about all of this. You're invited to hear from leaders and innovators who share cutting-edge science tools and techniques to help you become the CEO of your own health. Don't settle for just getting by or surviving. It is your turn to thrive. Today, we are going to talk about heart health. Dr. Joel Kahn is a practicing cardiologist and a clinical professor of medicine at Wayne State University School of Medicine. He's known as America's Healthy Heart Doc. Dr. Khan is triple board certified in internal medicine, cardiovascular medicine, and interventional cardiology. He was the very first physician in the world to certify in metabolic cardiology with A4M, MMI, and the University of South Florida. He founded the Khan Center for Cardiac Longevity in Bingham Farms, Michigan and has authored scores of publications in his field, including articles, book chapters, and monographs. He writes health articles and has five books in publication, including Your Whole Heart Solution, Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, and The Plant-Based Solution, and Lipoprotein A, The Heart's Silent Killer. He has been an expert and regular on Dr. Phil, The Doctor's Show, Dr. Oz, Larry King now, and the Joe Rogan experience, in addition to hosting his own podcast, Heart Doc VIP. Welcome, Dr. Khan. I can't wait to dive into all everything. Well, hello, and you just heard all about Dr. Joel Kahn, but I'm going to get him to tell us a little bit about himself. And I just have to say, for those of you who are not watching this podcast, you're just listening, you're missing out. Here we have a board-certified cardiologist doing the podcast while walking on a treadmill. Hi, Joel. (laughs) I am all day long, every day, seeing patients on a treadmill desk. It's uh, been an amazing upgrade to my life and health and a great example of the patients. But thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure, Dr. Tammy. Yeah, we've known each other a while now. We won't tell anybody, even though you are literally getting younger on the inside, oh, aren't my you? God. On the inside, I actually thank you for that. I can't claim any outside, although in my early 60s, I still got one hair and two fairly black hair, naturally. You look pretty and there good. there is a little data. I mean, there's actually an artificial intelligence program that takes a picture and judges your age and appearance. And there's pretty good correlation with actually your genetic age and your epigenetic age. So it's vanity. But, you know, we all know smokers wrinkle up a whole lot faster than non-smokers, as an example, that's scientific. So I appreciate it. You're glowing. And just since you asked, I am a practicing cardiologist in suburban Detroit. I grew up in this region, wandered to Ann Arbor, wandered to Dallas, Kansas City, came back to Michigan 32 years ago to start practicing really aggressive, hardcore hospital cardiology like is the brand. We're, you know, the only non-surgeons that our knuckles scrape the ground because we're kind of mechanically oriented to open plaque and put in stents. But along the way, I got very interested in nutrition, 
And that led me a little over 10 years ago to formally go back and train in integrative medicine. I was just curious. I mean, I was not stale, but I was doing the same thing over and over and rushing around like a crazy man and trying to teach people about nutrition and better lifestyle in a seven minute appointment. And then I wanted to really, you know, end my career, which I think I'm still at least a decade plus away from that. So I, about six years ago, totally broke away from the norm and opened up an integrative cardiology lifestyle practice, second opinion practice. You know, probably 80% of the patients are from Michigan, but we, I have licenses in many, many states, and we do a lot of uh, telehealth people fly here. So I'm not regenerating them necessarily through a stem cell infusion, although that will have... I go to my clinic. Well, they have to go to a clinic in Mexico yeah, now. I am regenerating them. At least that's the effort through nutrition, through lifestyle, through nutraceuticals, which is a fancy word to say vitamins or supplements. And we measure it. It's very you know, quantitative. It's, it's all woo unless you can measure it. So measure and repeat. Yeah. Edward Deming, you know, what you can't measure, you can't improve upon. That's a automotive engineering aspect. And I'm in Detroit, but if I can't measure your arterial age, your artery age and show you in a year that it's better then I really am in the woo. And I'm really pretty science grounded like you are. Well, let's dig into some of the things. I know everybody's really in health. People are wanting to feel better. I mean, no matter what disease diagnosis condition, everybody just wants to feel better. And so we get a lot of patients who come to us for hormones and, you know, andropause and menopause and weight loss because that's just in their face right now. Depression, anxiety with ketamine, things like that. But the real issues are actually cardiovascular disease, right? right? And that's what everybody should be focusing on. But the problem is, is that it's not a problem until it's a huge problem. Same so tell us right. a little bit about traditional cardiovascular or actually cardiology and how people are getting treated. Right. And then tell us about how you do things. Right. And that's actually just, you hit on something very interesting. I don't talk about a lot, but my biggest challenge is I don't have people coming to me like a chronic fatigue or Lyme or other, you know, chronic condition clinic. I have people wanting preventive care, but they feel fine. And it's very hard to capture their interest long-term. They already feel okay. They may be rotting inside, but they feel okay. There is that (laughs) There's a and group, you can prove it. <laughs> yeah, there's a group that isn't sleeping, and I figure out how to help them sleep, and I can find a group that's nutritionally depleted and replace their omega-3 or vitamin D or just upgrade their nutrition, and they, whether it's a weight change or an energy change or just they know they're healthier, that's always gratifying. And that can be a very quick turnaround, eight weeks, and we got a, a wonderfully happy patient partner. But for the most part... The standard medical model, we all know the statistics. Number one cause of death, men and women in the Western world since 1918. So it's 104 years. That big word, cardiovascular disease, the combination of stroke, heart attack, sudden death, losing a leg to peripheral vascular disease, the consequences of high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, but really the root cause is the Western lifestyle of smoking and poor quality food and sedentary life and stress and abuse of food and alcohol and drugs and the whole thing. So the standard medical model is if I showed up at a standard cardiologist, they said, so 
What's wrong? I said nothing. I wouldn't even get an electrocardiogram. That's actually not covered by insurance for routine screening. That's a simple piece of paper with the 12 chest uh, locations. But you'd get some simple basic labs. I have a wonderful network of doctors I work with, and this is not a criticism, but the internists and the family docs, their typical lab draw at a routine visit that I would go to, you go to, is not any different than 35 years ago. It's the basics. And we haven't really advanced to say inflammation matters and advanced cholesterol matters and hormones. Uh, toxicity, hormones, heavy metals. All these things are, frankly, so simple to add on, but they just haven't advanced. So I would get some simple lab work, maybe my blood pressure checked. Um, and that's where it would stop. And I want to pause for a minute because if a woman age 45 goes to her gynecologist, she's going to get recommended probably to have a mammogram. And if she's natural oriented, maybe a thermogram. Everybody's going to get a little pitch about doing a colonoscopy. So we're, we're aggressively looking for asymptomatic breast lesions and colon lesions. But nobody's doing and anything. Years. Yeah, nobody's looking at what's your risk of silent heart disease. That's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a disease that's silent, just like you said till it's very serious and maybe it's an emergency room or maybe it's somebody died or maybe it's a heart attack or maybe they're lucky enough to get some symptoms and a stress test. So there's no program for early detection of heart disease. And apologize, we don't even have a home phone. I happen to be at my home treadmill standing desk right this minute. Uh, but I think the fax machine is ringing. And all, That's okay, but, some data coming in, I'm sure. <laughs> a busy family and a busy medical practice. But um, I practice to differ. If I came to my clinic, I would know what do I eat? What do I snack on? How do I sleep? What do I use for sleep? What's my environmental exposure? It's the same list that you would go to. A really good integrative list. I want to know who you are. What are the traumas in your life? What are the stresses in your life? What do you use to manage stress? Do you use martinis or do you use meditation? And they both work, but one's a little Does it healthy. take more than 10 minutes? Uh, yeah, I have an hour appointment with a new patient. Right? <laughs> That's not even, you know, extensive. Some uh my peers, you know, may spend two, three hours. That's getting pretty unusual. But I know a lot about a patient. It's all documented. And then we're going to do extensive lab work that generally can be worked through their insurance program. I don't own a private lab. I usually use Quest or whatever lab they would like to go to. They're always going to get an electrocardiogram. That's so simple. But I'm going to ask them to have something called vascular imaging. We have these two gorgeous arteries up to our brain called carotid arteries. God put them there or whatever you believe in, put them there for cardiologists like me to do ultrasounds. That's the only reason they're there. It's nothing to do about blood flow of the brain. But we have these carotid arteries that using digital and artificial intelligence, accurate imaging. I can tell a person, your driver's license says you're 63 years old, but your arteries look like a 55-year-old. Well, that's a nice victory. And that's a very simple thing to do. With yeah, but no the problem is you could also look like you're 85. All the time. And that's very disappointing when I share that with patients. Very quantitative, very objective. I don't read the study. It's largely artificial intelligence. And it's not thousands of dollars, a couple hundred dollars. And then we work like the Dickens to make that better, of course, and it's easy to repeat the study. The other technology, just real quick, is we've had since 1990 the ability to do a very quick CT scan of the heart, CAT scans. CT scan of the heart is the new stress test. That's the coronary 
calcium score? That's the basic one. So that was invented in 1990 in San Francisco. Now every medium and large hospital, usually with a prescription from a healthcare provider, sometimes you don't need a prescription. At the university in Cleveland, it's free. In my community, it's 75 to $99. Some places 50. If you live in Texas, you get one free at age 50 by a legislative act about a decade ago. You lie down, you hold your breath, you go home. No needle, no... You know what? People don't know about this. I tell my patients that they have to do this. This is screening. This is the new treadmill test. And they're like, why didn't my regular doctor tell me? It's been such a struggle. Partly it's still a cash procedure. And that's awkward in the standard medical model to tell a patient they're going to pay for the most accurate test you could possibly have to screen for the number one killer men and women. And if you come back zero with no calcium in your heart arteries, you're pretty low risk. If you come back a thousand full of calcium in your heart arteries, you need to get somebody to figure that out and work with you very carefully. Very few people are at the point they need bypass or stents, but it's like you know, it's the warning of the same thing as finding you have a polyp in your colon and you need to go back and repeat it and change your diet and make it more high fiber and all those other things. But we just don't do it for the heart. I just want, since your audience is so sophisticated, the calcium CT scan, that's what it's called, heart calcium CT scan, widely available, inexpensive. There's amazing things it does, but there are some limitations. It shows calcium, bone-like material in the three major heart arteries. But it does not show another kind of plaque that we're really focusing on in my field called soft plaque, non-calcified plaque. And actually, when a heart attack occurs, it's more likely to occur at a spot rich in soft, mushy, non-calcified plaque than the region right next to it that's calcified. You so just where can't... do we find that? How do we find that? Now we can not only inject a little bit of iodine dye, so now we have a heart CT angiogram. Technology that's over a decade, but always was read in a subjective way. But now we have artificial intelligence. This is the hottest thing in cardiology. And I'm just fortunate a mile from my clinical office is an imaging center. So I went myself. I've had dozens of patients. Um, they can't be allergic to iodine. They have to have good kidney function. Or shellfish, because that's iodine. Some people don't know that. Yes. But within just a couple minutes, then they go home with a Band-Aid. We now have a report that says how much soft plaque, how much hard plaque, and exactly how many cubic millimeters, where in the artery it is. If the artery is narrowed, is it 22%? Is it 49%? Everything used to be eyeball. We've brought cardiology imaging. So this is called, I'm going to give you a company name. It's not my company. I'm not an investor, though they did just raise tens of millions of dollars in a venture capital move that made the news. We'll, put it, we'll also put it in the show notes, but yeah, tell us what that company is. Clearlyhealth.com, C-L-E-E-R-L-Y health.com. Um, a radiologist by the name of James Min, MD, is the sort of inventor, patented the technology. Not available in every city. You can wow. get the CT angiogram. You're mm -hmm. in Seattle? Yes. So you can get a CT angiogram at University of Washington or Swedish Hospital, and then you can mail that information to clearly. You need a doctor to help you do that. So I work to find but our listeners should be asking if they don't have a doctor like us, though we are accepting yeah. new patients, but if they, they go to their regular doctor, they should be asking their regular doctor to order a heart CT angiogram. 
at least at a minimum, get a calcium scoring CT scan for $75 and see if you're a They're zero. actually paid for a lot by insurance here in Washington State. That's I right. order them all the time. But this heart CT angiogram. looking for you know, the highest level of precision. You know, this is only about a year old. It's gotten to be very hot right now because Tony Robbins, famous motivational speaker and business person, has a book out four weeks ago called Life Force. And it's a wonderful book. And one of the key tests he recommends never to miss is clearly health. And I was ordering them already, but man, an unpaid endorsement that has brought that test to, you know, news interviews and podcasts. Yeah. He also talked about stem cells, which was great because uh, yes. it was shut down in this country and uh, his his affiliation is with Panama, but there's clinics, there's the BioThrive stem cell clinic in Puerto Vallarta in a private hospital that I'm a medical director of. So it, w- it was a great book with a lot of great information, but this was in it. So now I'm sure they're very busy. <laughs> I am sure. And it's a cash test largely. Unfortunately, our medical system, basic things may be covered and the really advances. And this is really an advance. It may be about $1,500. But I'm sitting down with people now and saying, we missed 80% of all the plaque in your heart when we did that calcium scan. Oh, gosh. You got six times more soft plaque than hard plaque. And we got to work together a little harder to improve upon that. And I got two questions. Yes. So you are just, we're going to have to have you on more than once. But okay. my, my question is, so let's go back to the calcium score. Somebody is low risk. They, they want to do more than the treadmill. So they'll start with a coronary calcium score, which I think is great. I'd love them now that I know about this heart CT angiogram and sending the results to Clearly Health. But what happens in the scenario where a patient has high cholesterol and zero to less than 10% plaque? Good idea. When I sit down with a patient after their calcium score, I tell them there's pretty much three scientific rules we can follow. If you have a calcium score that comes back less than 100, still abnormal, the data from University of Texas says you don't need an aspirin every day. Okay, it's not a big deal, but there's actually a little controversy right now. Who needs aspirin? Who doesn't? And we're not talking heart attack patients, stent patients, stroke patients. They may need aspirin for life. But for the general public, if you have a high calcium score, Actual analysis at the University of Texas has taken aspirin for the rest of your life. Number two, if you have a calcium score, if you feel fine, but your calcium score is under three or 400, you absolutely do not need a stress test. You've already had a better test. But if your calcium score comes back 1,000, I'm probably going to do either a simple or what's called a stress echo test just to be sure and give that patient confidence they can exercise hard without any risk. And the third one is the controversial one. There actually is some data that if your calcium score is under 100, it's statistically impossible to show benefit from statins. That there's a wonderful website, and maybe you're not using this yet, Dr. Tammy. It's called astrocharm.org, A-S-T-R-O-C-H-A-R-M.org. You got your calcium score. You paid the 100 bucks. You got your cholesterol numbers. You know if you're diabetic or not. You know your blood pressure. It'll calculate for you in the next 10 years what's your risk of a heart attack or stroke. This is another research project out of Dallas, Texas, University of Texas. Very useful with patients. And I'll show them, you know, Molly or Tom, 
let's play the game. I take your cholesterol at 250 and I make it 150. And let's look how much your 10-year risk of heart attack goes down. And I'm a cholesterol believer. I think cholesterol matters for most people. And it might go down, your 10-year risk is 4.4 and it goes down to 4.2. Now, let me make you younger. Oh, man, that cuts it down. Let me get you to quit smoking. Man, that cuts it down. Let me get rid of your diabetes. Whoa, that really drops it. But cholesterol is a very important risk factor for heart disease. But in these milder cases, they're low risk already. And the addition of medicine is very hard to prove. Statistically, it's of additional risk. So that's the person, person I don't rush to statins. I may use a non-statin like ezetimibe that has mm -hmm. generally a gentler, safer profile. Than, and less about the absorption. Exactly. Don't have to worry about you know muscle aches and hyperglycemia and brain fog as much. I might, just work with, <laughs> I might just work with lifestyle. I might use all the nutraceuticals that have some impact, like berberine or bergamot or Reggie's rice. And then get their omega-3s. Yeah, get their omega-3s, supplemented where they should be, because half of America or more are severely omega-3 deficient. That's, that's my favorite blood test in terms of nutrition, because I can correct that one in one week, and there's such a high level of... Do you use the LabCorp one? I, I use uh, usually Quest, but they're very yeah. similar. I think they're both yeah, the Omega. We use both. Yeah, there's Omega Check and Omega Index. But you need Omega-3, you know, you need for your brain, you need for your eyes, you need to and get your skin and your hair. And, <laughs> and your hair and your joints. So unless you're a salmon eater, a sardine eater, I'm a flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed eater because I'm vegan. And I happen to know from my genetics, I convert ALA to EPA, DHA pretty efficiently, but we all know many people don't. That's not always the case. Either on a dietary or a genetic basis. So, you know, you know, that's why I say test, not guess. Let's just find out where you're at. Just like vitamin D, I can't look at you and know your vitamin D level, but I can check it for a minimal amount of money and influence your health for sure. So that's kind of, you know, the basics of the most exciting stuff going on. I, I just got to give a shout out to your audience. I have built an interesting practice around a cholesterol particle called lipoprotein A. And you're probably familiar with it. I learned it from Mark Houston, you know, more than 10 years ago in my integrative training. So it turns out this is really important. So just to answer your question, you know, the basic analysis that a primary care doc does is are you at risk of heart disease because smoking, diabetes, high blood pressure, high LDL cholesterol, and brother, sister, mother, father had early heart events like a heart attack or bypass. Those are five critical questions, but they should be followed by about 20 more questions, some of which are lifestyle, some of which are lab-based, including stress, including sleep, including diet. But in terms of biochemistry, the human body and 20% of us can make an additional cholesterol, and in 80% of us, we can't. It's completely controlled by whether you inherit a gene on chromosome 6 from mom, dad, or both, or you don't inherit a gene, and it's called lipoprotein A, kind of an awkward name. You'd never get a good marketing company to come up with that name. It's hard <laughs> to spell. So it actually is abbreviated LP little a, but that's awkward too. But if you're in the 20%, if you just think for a minute, 20% is about one and a half billion people in the world. It's about 100 million Americans, maybe 90 million Americans. It's the most common genetic influence on whether you get heart disease or not. It's a real uh, tough one if you get it. It can clog arteries for the body. It can cause thrombosis, blood clots. 
it can cause inflammation. So for one particle to do all three, that's a nasty thing. But it's a risk factor because I've got many elderly patients who inherited it, and they are fine. But walking around life not knowing and finding out you have it, and that's the cause of your aortic valve problem or coronary problem, is in my practice a dime a dozen. It's challenging because it's not influenced much by lifestyle. There's no prescription drug FDA approved. Niacin, a B vitamin, works well for it. Hormone replacement therapy in a woman can work well for it. But before menopause, otherwise you can actually mess it up. Exactly. And then, you know, we're dependent. We're about three years away from two of the pharmaceutical giants, Novartis and Amgen, bringing out new drugs for this problem. So it's a really, really interesting finding. I have people in my clinic and I feel so badly for them. Early heart disease. And when I run the labs, they inherited lipoprotein A. They got ApoE4 from one of their parents. Maybe they got a gene called 9P21 from their parents. And in a recent analysis of genes that cause clogged arteries, 9P21 was actually the most powerful predictor. And it's a blood test, probably one cardiologist in a thousand draws. I do it on my patients, simple. And we do the genetic testing. So we're finding those from... Yeah, which SNPs that uh, are coming out of the 9P21 locus. So, you know, and everything I'm talking about may seem, if people are listening, aren't familiar, like this is space age. I literally, I talk to people, I order labs, and I order one or two simple tests, and we sit down. It's really anything that a cardiologist or an internist could add on to their practice. Well, and these are not esoteric labs where you have to, like, you know, wait for a kit to be shipped from Europe and then, you know, spit in it on the full moon and then send it back. These are just at Quest and LabCorp. These These it's not that the tests haven't progressed. It's that the doctors, I mean, I continuously have patients who come to me and say, my regular doctor is asking, why are you ordering this? Why are you ordering cardiac specific C-reactive protein? And I said, because I want to know about inflammation that's pissing off your heart. Absolutely. And the data that it predicts your lifespan, your risk. And I mean, you know, people that care want to lower their risk and have a health span that's optimal, as we say. So, again, there are things out there. Stem cells can be expensive. You know better than I. I mean, I might invite a patient to spend a couple thousand dollars between all this testing we're talking about, much of which will be covered by insurance. But it's not 20000 I mean, I'm not, right. that elite, uh, not that elite of a practitioner. So it's just whether that term precision medicine Uh, that I love or personalized medicine. But precision medicine is kind of the term that's taking over cardiology. Stop guessing. Start measuring in the sub-millimeter range how much plaque and narrowing you have, and then let's, let's reverse it. Well, and that's a great segue to let's reverse it. So what would happen is that if a patient was to find out these things, whether it was from coming to an integrative board-certified cardiologist or to coming to our clinic and we run these tests for them, 
what I find is that they go back to their regular doctor for their once yearly, and then the fight begins about statins. And I would love for you to weigh in because just like penicillin is great for some people, it literally can kill other people. And we do have a lot of information about statins. We have a great amount of research about statins and their effectiveness or lack thereof for women. But nobody's talking about this. It's just like a high cholesterol, here's your statin prescription. So talk to us about what do you do? Yeah. And let's go back to a test we talked about. There was a suggestion as far back as 2005 by a society called SHAPE. If you do testing and your carotids are clean or your calcium chlor is nearly zero or zero, you probably cannot benefit from taking a statin. And it was suggested that before you fill that prescription, ask your doctor for vascular testing. It never got widely popular, but the data grew and the data grew. I mean, that's 17 years ago now. Until 2019, the American Heart Association, stodgy, stodgy, actually put out algorithms, flowcharts. If you're a generally healthy person and your doctor hands you a prescription for a statin because your cholesterol is 235, but you find out a way to get a calcium score that comes back zero, you don't need a statin. So one of the best reasons to get a calcium score is to look for the bad news, but it's also to look for the good news. Right. And follow what is now also endorsed by the Canadian Cholesterol Association and something in the United States called the National Lipid Association, that a calcium score of zero in a non-smoker, non-diabetic is a ticket to not take a statin. Now, that's something you got to talk to your treating doctor about, but and they may not have seen that data. I actually have these flowcharts taped all over my walls in my office because I show people that's... Would you be kind enough to give us some of those links and we'll put them in the show notes? Because I want people to be the CEO of their own health. I want them to be able to say, I don't want to take this and this is why. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, I'm not making things up. I'm actually talking about major societies and very reasonable conclusions. There is other data, though, that in general calcium scores that are quite high, or if you get the more advanced, like now that my patients are getting these quantitative coronary CT angiogram AI studies, if you've got a lot of soft plaque, you know, one of the routes to shrink it is with a statin. But I'm going to tell you, my patients are getting five milligram of rosuvastatin Crestor combined with 10 milligram as a timide. My patients aren't getting 40 milligram or 80 milligrams of a statin. There's two reasons for that. One, they just tolerate it better, and we reach the same LDL goal or LDL particle goal. And because I happen to have a big practice full of lipoprotein A cholesterol-inherited patients, statins actually raise lipoprotein A while they're lowering LDL. Once you learn that, you go back to that principle of first do no harm. What am I doing to a person when I make their cholesterol go 200 to 130? but I'm making their lipoprotein A go from 150 to 230. And what's the balance there? And if you're not checking, of course, you will have no idea that the patient you just gave a statin prescription for is one of the 20% that inherited this other cholesterol. But since I'm checking in everybody, I just don't feel comfortable. When I use this combination of low-dose, super low-dose statin, maybe three days a week with azotimib, I get really good numbers and the lipoprotein A either doesn't change or it actually falls a little, which is really interesting. So it's a little complex for the average internist, family doc. Not all of this has been studied in randomized studies, particularly this lipoprotein A aspect. But, you know, uh, and then there's some people. I mean, if my patient just showed up in the ER 
with a near heart attack and got three stents, I'm going to let them marinate in a, in a statin for four or six weeks. There's a little data for that. We're going to really work, you know, on diet, fitness, cardiac rehab. I'm a real fan of like a secret diet plan called the portfolio diet, which was a project at University of Toronto about 20 years ago that you can add four food groups and drop your cholesterol by 25% without a radical change. You don't have to join me as a 100% plant-based eater. You can if you want to, but adding more soy-based foods, if you're comfortable with that, tofu, tempeh, edamame, more um, soluble fiber, oats and beans and lentils, more plant sterols from sunflower seeds and avocados, and more nuts. Nuts always show up on the healthy list. So I teach that to my patients, but the Harvard School of Public Health just showed with over 100,000 patients that if your dietary style kind of matches this portfolio diet research study, you're much less likely to have a heart attack and stroke. So it's become a little hotter than it used to be. I give them a one-page handout. It's the easiest kind of tweaks to your diet if you have a cholesterol problem, the portfolio diet. I love that this is telling you what to do because a lot of times patients who are trying to be the CEO and they get this high cholesterol and they said, okay, well, I'm going to be moving towards or become a vegetarian. And, you know, maybe some of them will go as far as vegan, but not usually. And what I find is that my patients who are trying to be vegetarians are not vegetarians. They're starcharians. All they're doing is eating bread and pasta. And they're actually not eating beans, legumes, vegetables, nuts. So I love that this portfolio diet is telling you what to do specifically, because those are actionable items. And everybody can do that. When I was researching my book, The Hormone Secret, I read a study that said that people who eat nuts live longer when they took everything into consideration. Yeah, that's a blue zones longevity concept. You know, in Loma Linda, California, about 25, 30 years ago, they identified where the University of Loma Linda is, but it's also the head of the Adventist uh, church in the United States, they identified that the average lifespan in Loma Linda was 12 years longer than the rest of California by average. It spurned research, what's going on in Loma Linda, other than there's a big church there, and it turns out 50% of the population is plant-based, but they eat more nuts than the rest of California combined, and when they did multivariate analysis, actually their nut intake was the number one uh, factor in predicting their longevity. Number two was the amount of fruit and vegetables and whole grains and legumes they ate. And then they don't smoke on average and they don't drink much on average. So there's you know a multitude of real life factors. And then there was just a research study very recently. There's a huge database funded by Bill and Melinda Gates of Seattle called the Global Burden of Disease Study. But just quickly, over half a million people with a lot of dietary information, they looked at three foods that predict extra 10 years of life, published about four weeks ago. Number one was beans, number two was nuts, and number three was whole grains, actually. But there's nuts again, you know, number two on the list of all the food choices in the world. So I'm munching on raw walnuts, a few Brazil nuts, a couple almonds, a couple pecans. It's not really a bad one. Just, you know, not greasy, salted, you know, smoked, sugary ones. You want to get, you know, good raw nuts. What about cashews? Because they're technically not nuts. I think there's favorable data. The one that came out recently was pecans lowering your cholesterol. I've not been a big pecan either. I'm not from the South, but throw that on the good list. And pistachios, I think, are the lowest calorie 
per you know volume of the nuts. And of course, I love macadamia nuts. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> and choice. then have you heard of those called? I think they're called Peely. Peely, I don't know. You know, Darren Olin, the superfood guy, has a nut from the Amazon, and that's what this is. It's something. Yeah, they're yeah, nice. Like fifty dollars a bag, but <laughs> I'll go with a big bag of raw. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I just put them in. That's my favorite travel food. Is you yeah. know people who are saying to me, "Well, I travel for work," and you know people are starting to travel again, and and I say, yeah. you know what, just go get some nuts. So one more question about nutri- nutrition. The other great travel food if you're at a restaurant or something is eggs and there's such mythology about eggs and cholesterol. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yes. And you know, this is controversial, particularly amongst my fellow vegan medical doctors who do research and publish, you know, where we we would not choose to eat eggs, maybe on an ethical basis or maybe on animal rights basis, but on a pure health basis, uh, it's been shown over and over that there's minimal, there could be some, but there's minimal influence on your blood cholesterol levels by the amount of cholesterol in one or two eggs. The much bigger problem that drives blood cholesterol up is the amount of saturated fat. And then that's where we get everybody getting buggy eyed because now we're talking chemistry and we're at the grocery store and there's no chemist to help us. But I learned a while ago that a, a toothpick weighs 100 milligrams. And an egg has 200 milligrams of cholesterol in it on average. So think about two toothpicks worth of cholesterol. Saturated fat, so that's 200 milligrams, can be 100 times as much in a diet heavy in meat, butter, cheeses, coconut oil. And that's why in all the research studies, the amount of saturated fat in the diet, usually heavily meat-based diets, cheese-based diets, dairy-based diets. It's not actually eggs. Eggs have some saturated fat, but nowhere near the amount that a good old scoop of lard might have. And, you know, some listeners will say, but I love lard and I love ghee and I love butter. And it's probably better than store-bought margarine, but maybe the best option is extra virgin olive oil, which has no cholesterol because it's a plant and very low saturated fat content. So I don't choose to eat eggs, but when my patients tell me, I might emphasize you know, maybe three egg whites to one egg yolk if they're dealing with a cholesterol or a heart problem. But even in the famous studies done by Dr. Dean Ornish on reversing advanced heart disease, he allowed his patients to eat egg whites. It was in the 1980s. There weren't any Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. It was a challenge to get 50 people to stay plant-based for five years, and he did a rather good job of it. But you can end up with a healthy heart even if egg whites are on the menu, according to science. You know, a modest amount of egg yolks. So go run away from tubs of butter, but, you know, you don't need to run away from eggs if that's your choice. Well, and I wonder, I, I don't know of any studies yet, but, you know, there's choline in the yolk, which if you have adrenal fatigue, you really need that, and it's a great source. But, you know, I did an experiment with my children, and we bought eggs that were just like, regular eggs off of the shelf. And then we bought organic eggs all at the same time. And then we had pastured eggs. Then we had organic, free-range, pastured. I mean, we had these four things and it gets so confusing. But what we saw was the regular eggs, the yolk just kind of went bleh and it flattened out. And it was this 
peakish, yellowish, pale color. And then meanwhile, the pastured eggs that were organic, so the chickens that were allowed to go eat whatever they wanted out in the grass and the bugs and the grubs and everything, and it was all organic, they're orange yolks. Interesting. And they are bright. More beta carotene in them, I would imagine. Yeah, I wonder if that, I wonder if, you know, this group of saying eggs, when they look so different, and the yolks are perky, they just completely act different. Same thing when my patients talk about their carb intake. I put up a stop sign. Let's talk about complex carbohydrates. Let's talk about whole grains. Let's talk about donuts and cookies and, you know, bagels. I got a little concerned about choline because I'm 100% plant-based. And there are foods like dried soy nuts. It's one of my favorite organic dried soy nuts are pretty rich in choline. But it's interesting. I was struggling a little bit with my homocysteine level as a functional medicine guru. And all the methylated B vitamins in the world. So I added a little choline capsule in and just like the textbook said, finally got my homocysteine down under eight. And the only little trick there is I watch my TMAO level because choline and carnitine can raise your TMAO. It went up like 0.1 notch, but still in a very normal range. So it's fun when you learn stuff and you can apply it. It is. It is. Add a choline to my patients for their their brain health, but also to bring their homocysteine down if traditional methods don't do it. I always tell my patients that cholesterol is not what traditional medicine says, and it's not what naturopathic medicine says. It doesn't need to be squashed down at all costs, no matter what, like traditional medicine that I was taught. And it's not totally fine, like I learned in the naturopathic world. It's a message. It's a message of a problem, and like we've learned with you, it's a message if we've got other things going on, we need to listen to it more. But I always think of it as a message of inflammation. Yes. It's like that red light in your car, you know, the red light isn't the problem. Don't turn off the red light. Go find out what's going on. Well, I think it's circular. It's a message of inflammation, but it also can induce inflammation. It can induce, in some people, vascular inflammation. So the high sensitivity C-reactive protein and the other studies may be up. And if you can bring down your LDL cholesterol through natural approaches, portfolio diets, and nutraceuticals, you often see the inflammation numbers come down too. It's kind of a nice win-win. But in my practice, it's totally... What are your arteries like? If you've got clean carotids and clean heart arteries, I'll let you keep your cholesterol pretty high and I'll watch you, but I'm not going to treat a disease that doesn't exist. Uh, This is the basis of the idea that if your calcium score is zero, you may not need a statin. John Rumsberger, a very famous cardiologist who's in the CT world, said, we don't give chemo to people that don't have cancer. Why are we giving statins to people with a calcium score of zero? I love that. I love that. When the numbers are crazy, you have to ask yourself a 10, 20, 30-year perspective. But I will always give somebody three to six months to work on getting their cholesterol with better gut health, better you know lifestyle and reevaluate. There's just no urgency that today has to be the day to do lifelong prescription. So we talked about testing and how people can, you know, be the CEO and go and ask for tests. Absolutely. (laughs) We talked about nutrition, portfolio diet and the nuts and, and other things, plants. Let me ask you about what role stress has 
in cardiovascular disease. And when I mean stress, I don't mean like an external environment stress because that happens all the time, yet every person that's in that same environment does not react the same way. I'm talking about your how you think and how you feel on a pretty regular basis. Uh, it's it's huge, and it's very central in my practice. We just lost a physician named Herbert Benson at age, I think, 82 uh, last month, who was really the father of stress, heart connections, did a lot of research, and gets a shout out. The other one, some people know that type A, type B personality that was introduced, you know, are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Are you bouncing up and down like a thermometer? Or did you set your stress level? Because you, maybe you have a coping technique. Maybe when the stress gets high, you breathe. Or maybe when the stress gets high, you check out. Or maybe you use a Calm app or a Headspace app or take a little ashwagandha or, you know, uh, do something to put a little essential oil on. But it's a major factor, partly out of the bad habits I'm stressed, so there's a martini or a cigarette or a joint or... Or a medication. And so medication, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you're stressed, so I won't go to the gym and I won't prepare my lunch and dinner and I'll, you know, make some lifestyle choices. But it's actually the physiology of higher cortisol, higher glucose, higher adrenaline. And it can trigger, you know, clearly heart events. Uh, a number of heart attacks are triggered during yelling episodes and emotional upset. There's that unique heart syndrome in mainly women called the broken heart syndrome used to be just classically got bad news, terrible news. And a woman starts to have a heart attack like syndrome of chest pain and even EKG changes. And we find no blockage in the arteries. And we think it's just a pathologic discharge of adrenaline from the adrenal glands and even through the rest of the nervous system that mimics a heart attack. So if you ever needed an example of how stress can affect the heart, the broken heart syndrome, or it's also called Takasubo syndrome, just dramatic and it's very common. So, you know, we've had a very tough few years and, you know, just in terms of the whole country, the whole world. And by now we need a coping mechanism, a healthy ones, exercise, breathing, meditation, Tai Chi, yoga. I practice this little yoga flow called the five Tibetans every darn day. It takes about 10 minutes the same flow every day. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to wear a robe. And it's just... You don't have to put your foot behind your neck. <laughs> just a grind. You don't have to do any of that. It just It's a grounding I do every morning before I'm on my way. And I start my day early. So I don't have... When I hear on interviews, these people have a three-hour ritual before they turn their computer on. That's not my life. But I do have time for a 10-minute yoga flow and some other you know high-intensity fitness. So Get a technique that's healthy to manage your stress and recognize how big a deal in your life it is. Yeah, and don't keep reaching for the Band-Aids because it's going to come back. Right. Well, this is so great. I have like a 100 more questions, so we definitely have to get you back. Love to, love to, love to. I would love, um, and we'll get information about all the stuff that you talked about and, and where people can reach out to you if they want to get a, a second opinion on cardiovascular. I know you do telemedicine. Licensed in the state of Washington. So uh, yay. Maybe we can even get you to come up here and like we can do an event or something. That but what I would like you to finish with is uh, one of two things. One is a message that you think might bless our listeners' lives or share your favorite book. Sure. Um, I did just mention a book called Life Force. And right now that's the most interesting book I've written 
excuse me, I've read in the last 12 months. But a wisdom I learned from a, a business marketing man in Arizona, Joe Polish, was a person with good health has a thousand dreams. A person with poor health has only one dream. And I say that to myself and I say that to my patients. Why do I need to go through all this? Because right now you are in good health and you have a thousand dreams. But, you know, you could be one heartbeat away from being that person that is dreaming of regaining their health. And let's be proactive and let's be aggressive about defining where you're at and correcting what's deficient. So be that person with a thousand dreams that doesn't have health you know, issues as the major blockade to living life to its fullest. Thank you so much for these mega pearls that you have dropped throughout this time. I adore you. I respect you. I'm grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I hope that some of the information helps you become the CEO of your own health. Remember, health can be contagious, so be sure to pass this on to those that you love and make sure that you subscribe so you're right on track to hear more amazing information to help you thrive. Have a beautiful day.